This is The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. So glad you're with us. Thought Revolution Radio underway this whole next hour. Uh, we've got a legend coming to the studio, Lorraine Segato, uh, Parachute Club, Rise Up, Rise Up, an anthem for the ages, is joining us in the second half of the show. And um, it's a little early to be talking the holidays, but... I thought if we're going to do a segment about stress over the holidays and how to avoid it and manage it, let's not wait till we're stressed out during the holidays. So we've got an expert on to uh, talk about that. But here's the thing. We're going to do reality radio right now. I think I have a bit of the flu. And uh, not long ago, I had an awful cold. And it feels a little early in the year for that kind of stuff to be attacking uh, moi uh, or anyone. But um, who are you going to call? You're going to call Dr. Cass Ingram. Uh, He's the world-renowned plant medicine specialist that uh, we go to all the time here on the Sean Proust Show. Clearly, cold and flu season are are upon us, and or at least upon me. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully not you, um, but uh, we've got to call Dr. Cass up right now and and say, hey, I'm sick. What do I do? He knows all the good stuff. Cass, Dr. Ingram. Going? Long time no see. Uh, long yeah, time. I mean, it, <laughs> the thing is that I don't like that cold and flu junk, and we're broadcasters, so we can't even afford it. But uh, I just I can't stand it. So because of that, I, I don't ever get that I take the prevention. I've been taking the prevention, though. The prevention is, yeah, is, is I mean, if you're new to this, oregano is the thing. Yeah, but you have to see the thing is it's so weird and the weather changes and then you've got the not only viruses but mold and fungus. There's too many weirdo things going on. So I don't take any chance. I take, I take you know, I don't know, maybe 40 drops of the oil every day. Oh, I've yeah. been doing like you know just I mean? a tiny bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, forty, and, uh, and that's the edible kind. I'm taking the oregano, like you are, and then I take this oregarest. I take a couple capsules of this oregarest multiple spice that we studied in microbiotest, where we destroyed systematically the human coronavirus, the bird flu virus, the the, the influenza virus. It obliterated it. Let me uh, let me ask you this. I just said to my producer off air, um, both with the cold and the flu that's sort of hitting me right now. I felt that a moment of, 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 of my state changed in my body. I felt it. What does that mean? Oh, yeah. Well, that means the virus is co-opting the cells and the genetics. And a big time because I could feel it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, what, that's the danger of viral uh, illnesses that you can't just get the flu. In some cases, it can lead to destabilization of the body. Uh, it's what, quite dangerous. And, and then the individual develops like a, a, a long-term problem or a viral syndrome or a chronic fatigue or some weird thing that it could have been prevented, but you have to make sure you don't get the miserable thing. So uh, for people who are just listening to us for the first time, uh, let, let's clue them in a little bit. Uh, tell us about why uh, plants over uh, chemicals, first of all. Well, the, you know, as you know, I've written those 25 or 30 books. and It's 32, and so, Doctor. Oh, is it that many? Okay. <laughs> so the, the plants are the antiseptics in the plant so that the plant doesn't get fungus, doesn't get viruses, doesn't get bacteria. Okay? That's the aromatic plants like lavender, sage, rosemary, oregano, thyme. Okay, right? You got me. So you harvest those antiseptics. 
And they don't just, like an antibiotic, kill a bacteria or like an antifungal, just kill that category of fungus or just something like Nizorol, which kills like topical fungus. Nizorol wouldn't work on a bacteria. Mm. Nystatin wouldn't work on a bacteria. Keflex or penicillin or tetracycline won't kill a virus, won't kill a fungus. That's the, bi- that's the value of the, the plant kingdom. And, and why? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm, you go ahead. What, what, what are you? No, no you go. Uh, what, what do you say to someone like me then and people listening who are like sort of feeling the, the seasons hit us and we haven't been you taking overdoses of, 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 of your products? Um, yeah. What do I do now? Can well, this, you can this do, be saved? You would, you would want to dis- you'd want to destroy every trace of the viruses that might be in the, in the DNA, in the cells. So the, if the flu extended itself, you'd have to purge everything out. And I do and that. Feel- How do well, I do that? Take the high, you have to take the edible wild oregano oil. You know, for people that are new to this show, oregano oil in our studies, uh, whether cumin oil or sage oil or cinnamon oil, clove oil, whatever, the essential oils, lavender, oregano oil was the most potent. Mm. And it happens that the wild oregano is the one we should take. Are there so any... If we were to... Huh? Go ahead. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> if, if, if we were going to get some oregano, wild oregano oil, and take 40 drops or a dropper full four, five, six times a day, if we had the flu or virus that has already invaded us, or even every hour, every half hour, bang, 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 that's how you get rid of it. You're serious about this then? Like every half an hour? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I screwed, up, I screwed up, Dr. Cass. You've been on my show four times or five times now, and you'd think I'd know? Didn't dawn well, on me to up the doses. I don't think we've discussed this mega-dosing and that, no. that the wild oregano oil can be mega-dosed. And, uh, yeah, and then also you can take large amounts on a daily basis. You can, you know, for, if you're that vulnerable that you might pick it up, you might say, well, I'll take a dropper full morning and night. And do any I of these... Uh-huh. Do any of these ingredients um, uh, interact poorly with um, regular prescriptions? Well, they reduce your need for prescriptions. Oh, he's got all the so answers today. Thing. Yeah. No, so <laughs> let's say you're taking cortisone, you're taking uh, endocin, you're taking antibiotics. You could take a little bit less of the drug. Hmm. Well, you consult your doctor <laughs> before doing yeah, that. But, uh, but uh, what do you say to the people who are listening right now who um, aren't in this um, position where they feel like they might just, to be frank, throw up? <laughs> right well, now? What yeah. do you say to those people so they don't do this? Should they start with, with megadosing right away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good they grief. should be taking through the winter. Uh, they should be taking, they can get some of the wild oregano oil. I like the super strength. And take 20 drops twice a day. Get the capsules. Take two capsules twice a day. And maybe the multiple spice. You know, we've done two or three scientific studies on it, and that's the one that has the cumin, sage, oregano, and cinnamon. They, the essential oils are dried to a dust. So for that extra protection, we're finding out that take a couple of those capsules every day, and you just don't get winter-related illness. 
You know what you did that that uh, change, and I'm going to deviate just from uh, cold and flu stuff for a minute. Your Hempinol PM product is the best sleep aid I've ever had, and I've done all the Ativans and the Imovanes and all those kinds of yeah. the PAMs. Uh, that is a, an extraordinary product, and I just want to throw that out there for people listening. If you're not sleeping well also, try Hempinol PM. And if you're not wanting to be like I am right now, uh, which is feeling really poorly, then try uh, to overdose. Uh, <laughs> I say yeah, overdose. Yeah. Can you overdose on this stuff? Uh, the side effect is that you'll feel good. Did you know there was a study where they, they, the animals had a horrible pancreatitis? They made them have it. They gave them a chemical. Horrible. The liver got inflamed. The liver enzymes went up. The good enzymes like SOD and glutathione collapsed. There was scarring in the liver in the artificial model. And so then they do? gave the oregano. Yes. They gave the oregano and everything went to normal. The liver went completely normal. So like what? And then people are worried about side effects and they're eating pizza and they're taking pesto sauce. They're eating all this stuff every day. Cinnamon, cloves, sage, everything we love. Nobody thinks anything. Oh, how much of these drops can I take? Can I overdo it? <laughs> what are the side effects in the interaction? This is called sarcasm, listener. And on that note, I have to let you go, Dr. Cashew, one of my favorite people to have on the show. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to feel better. Thank okay. you. And this segment about my personal health <laughs> was brought to you by me. Hey, uh, on the way, Lorraine Segato is coming up. But first, we've got some tips on how to survive the holidays stress-free. The Sean Pru Show continues here on Sirius XM, Canada Talks Channel 167. Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks. Here's Sean Prue. Here I am, and uh, yeah, not feeling 100% today. I shared that with you, TMI probably. I feel like I've got a bit of a flu coming on, and uh, I've already had a cold, um, and this is very unusual for me. Uh, also early uh, right now is a holiday segment, and I figured if we're going to talk to awesome mom, influencer, radio, television personality, wearer of a sparkly necklace, <laughs> Taylor K, yes. about anything, because she's, she's, she's the one to go to for tips and tricks for the holidays, I thought, let's do a, a segment now about stress on the holidays with you, because let's do it before the stress hits. Right. Because when you're stressed, you don't want to be told how to unstress. It's too late. You got to do stuff before December. I mean, even holiday shopping, I'm that mom that starts in August. Are you? I look at stuff. But, you know, then the kids change their minds, and then I'm like, okay, I can repurpose this as a birthday gift for someone. I will say I see stuff early on, like around October, where I'm like, oh, that's that's nice for her. That's nice for him. Yeah. And I do get it in the moment. So that's it's smart. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, so tip, so I have three kids. I call the special Ks. They're, uh, you know, they're 12. 12, 9, and 8. So it's wild at my very house. Very special. Yeah, very special. Very special. All girls. My mm. husband's special for dealing with us. Puberty's coming up so quickly. Right. And then I'll be going through <laughs> menopause. He's going to want to leave. It's like, or perimenopause, whatever, right? I'm like, where should, where should we find you a basement apartment somewhere in the country? So the one thing that we do, and then actually my husband taught me this, is journal and lists because it, be, it becomes organized chaos for the holidays. And if you have a large family or you have a small family, creating a list, you can have a journal. Do you journal at all? I journal every morning 
Right. And so you can journal. And the, my kids have journals. So I get, you know, I sneak in them and look at their list for within reason. Within reason. <laughs> they know mommy reads it. They write something really private down. Right. No, they have, I'm sure they have their <laughs> private journal. But I give them lists of things to do. And, and sometimes I give big lists because then I'm like, okay, they're not going to get it all done. But we'll get three or four things done. So back to journaling. That yeah. means something different to everybody. Right. Right. Mine's affirmations and feel good. That, that, but when you're talking about journaling for the holidays and what are you talking about? Like there? making lists of what they'd like, Got making it. lists of what they have to do. So they, my kids, the 12 year old, uh, special K has a journal for affirmations and things like that. And then mm. she has a special journal of like checklists for things to do and bullet points, like those bullet journals, like go you shopping. You are an awesome mom. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Ask them. I'm hoping that, you know, when she's 18 or 19, I'm like, go look at your affirmations. You yes. did like me one day. <laughs> um, the other thing to do is uh it's, it's it's like a check off like kids like it as a game to check things off so mm -hmm. get your kids involved different markers fun things like that and it's just setting them up with the right tools when you check something off by the way it, it, it releases dopamine into your right. uh, system which makes you happy right i never yep. check off doing the laundry because that's always not, it's laundry. never done <laughs> um the other thing we do is the kids write a budget for presents and my daughter will put things on hold and do things we always go oh we're going to feel bad for your partner later on and but but it's not that you're going to get that but we want to just see or maybe santa wants to see what you like to remember getting those big catalogs as kids oh yeah consumers distributing was oh, my favorite right so that's fun and what the jewelry section <laughs> you can come over and borrow some of my stuff but one of the places one of my favorite malls and the kids favorite malls is bramley city center and i want you to take a guess sean so out of the top 10 what number do you think the mall is out of the top 10 in all of canada bramley city center yeah one oh, through ten. I would say like seven. It is. It is the seventh is largest it? mall in, and I should say what number is it, but the seventh largest mall in Canada. It's got over 350 stores. So the kids and I will visit there. We know when we're doing our back to school stuff, and then I'm, I'm even getting them to create lists there of things that they like that, you know. These kids don't text or anything. They're never on their phones. They're in the journals all they're the time. In the, well, no, and they, my daughter will make notes and send me notes as well through her phone. But they've got over 350 stores, and it's creating... Uh, a little organized list of, you know, what what they like. What does mommy like? Mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, tell daddy, you know, this is what mommy likes over there. But have, have you been to Bramley City Center? Never. Oh, my gosh. You need to go. Okay, so they have a Santa. I'm going to let me tell you. Okay, so they have breakfast with Santa December 1st. They have Santa photos uh, from November well, right now till December 24th. And then they have pet photos. So I take my pets. Could, wouldn't that be awesome? Putting your little, like, any pet right up until December 1st. They've got uh, their pet photos can i creep you out right now yeah go uh on the weekend i saw a family photo of everyone gathered around santa at a mall and it was bruce MacArthur. no yes so he's off the street so we don't have to worry that oh my stop it are you being are you i'm serious they showed me this picture and they're like this is we sat on bruce MacArthur's." no lap. okay yes. stop it yes well that's not who santa is it's a real no. santa at bramley city center <laughs> children children sorry sorry let me explain um, um i wanted you to do, define stress in terms of um the holidays what is what, what does stress mean to you and your family Stress is getting things together. So entertaining, getting the right gifts for people. It's, it, you know, for me, it's entertaining and, and having family because I have a large extended family. I have two parties coming up. I have my father's side of the family and uh, he's passed, but we're trying to keep that mm -hmm. alive. And um, that's December 14th. And then I host Christmas every year. So, and then I'm people. a birthday baby. Oh, you are. December 18th. 
which and my husband's December 18th. Oof. We're both sad. Doesn't that suck, though? Yes, it's a week before Christmas. Yeah, here's your birthday gift and your Christmas right? gift. So the stress, that's why, that's why I've had to create the list of things to do. And here's the thing. Ask for favors from people. One thing that I do is I do cookie exchanges. Okay. Have you ever did? So you're coming next time. I'll come. Sometimes there's alcohol, but not this one. Oh, no, I don't kids. want to come to this oh, one. Okay. <laughs> but before I try and bake all these cookies and make all these cookies and and I'm like, okay, why don't we just trade with the neighbors? I'll get five to six neighbors over. Sometimes there's wine involved, sometimes there's not. And we exchange a couple dozen cookies so that you look like you've ba- made all these That's cookies. That's a smart idea. You know, and and I'll tell you, basecell.ca, if you, it's plant-based, there's some fun, I, I did a candy cane cookie on there and they've got shortbread cookies and you can swap out one for one for the for butter if you get rid of the butter and put in basecell. Um how much of your de-stressing is not buying into the social pressures or the holiday pressures as dictated mm. by society? Like Social I, media, I, right? I, yeah, and I, I, I struggled with Christmas for a long time, and it didn't work for me until I made it my own. Yes. And that, that has varied year in, year out. My, my, the level of my participation, the level of my solo time. Once I had one of my best Christmases, I was in a movie theater. I watched, uh, sorry, I don't remember what, but I just really, I woke up in my own bed. I was with my partner at the time. We, yeah. we spent, we went to a movie, we had a quiet dinner and it was lovely. Well, see, and that's the thing. You have to find it and make it your own. And it's hard when you have extended family and aunts and uncles and when politics get involved, people yep. get heated or alcohol is involved. People Somebody get heated. should bring up Trump right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and that's the thing. People will start talking about it. So what we do on our table and and you know, I people know when they come to my house, it is it is an organized chaos. It looks like what am I I'm a, I'm like that duck with the feet like moving really quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, I let the kids make crafts. I don't mind that glitters all over the place at my house. See, this is the trick. Most people listening to this want their per- perfect picture perfect home yeah when you go to my instagram and, and it's hard like what you just said with uh with its pictures of the families yes. and santas no that never happens even when i was at bramley last year uh with santa my kids were people want the matching outfits my kids no matching don't push outfits. don't push your kids for that you know what just enjoy the time and and make memories yes. and not and and fun traditions so one tradition for de-stressing we put in um, little things around Thanksgiving, and you can you still have time now before Christmas. Get the family to write out what they're grateful for. Yes, on this I like. And then at, at Christmas time, pull it out of the jar. Yes. And you know, at first, you're probably listening, going, "Oh, that sounds so hokey, Taylor." No. But you know what? Listen, I at first my family's like, "Wah wah, we don't want to do this," and now it's a tradition. I don't know if they say "wah wah," but <laughs> wah, <laughs> wah, wah wah mom. But now it's tradition. They're excited about. They're pulling- sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's pulling out those fun like what are we grateful for and for my kids it might be something like i'm happy that there's snow mm. um one year i went when there was no snow i think we're gonna have a lot of snow this year that's what they're saying uh for for the holidays one year we didn't have snow i went to an ice uh ice like or i went to an arena took out a basket a laundry basket filled it with snow and then put it all over my lawn Awesome, mom. Now, but then I realized that's the snow from the the arena where hockey players are that spit on the ice. <laughs> I'm like, Did kids I just were taken play? away from awesome mom so- that year <laughs> the, and hospitalized. So, the other thing is when you're entertaining. 
set up stations. I'm telling you, this will help you out and automate stuff and get people to make stuff. I don't want I don't want to be serving you all day long. Like that is not what I'm here for. So I'll have a, a DIY kind of drinking station. I'll have a soda stream and they have different flavors. Who doesn't like sparkly water? I love it. Right? And then they everyone can make their sparkly water with their different flavors. It's also, you know, you're saving like one of those bottles. Uh, helps reduce 2,000 plastic bottles. So you're not, you're, again, you're not running around doing a ton of grocery shopping. I have an espresso machine. Boom, the Virtuo. They put it in their capsules. People can pick what they want. And that's that's what's great. They're self-serve, put the cups out. And then you're, again, crafting, being writing gratitude, or maybe you're having a glass of wine and actually <laughs> Smoking not, a big joint. Right? <laughs> not talking Kidding. about Trump. Yeah, not talking about Trump. Glazed. But, yeah, but setting up, my, my thing for about de-stressing is setting up stations for the kids. You don't have to, and, and adults, right? Have a board game It gets section. them moving around the room and, and not being stagnant in, yeah. in a hit a stagnant party. We even put in karaoke machine last year, and I, I went to like, you know, went to Walmart, picked up a karaoke machine and I'm like, I don't know if it's going to get used. And people loved it. And then, you know, in the living room, people are doing karaoke in the kitchen. People were like eating and doing their gratitude. Games. So it sounds like high insanity, but not <laughs> but, stress, but, not, but stress. not stress, but not stress. I get it. So does it, would you want to come one year? What do you think? I'd come. Instead of going I'd to come. the movies? And- <laughs> as long as I don't have to mind my words. No, you don't. You don't. Because <laughs> certain people in this room said I could come to his house as long as I minded my words. <laughs> what, what are some of your favorite things to de-stress over the holidays? Well, when we're talking about parties, I, I used to throw one every year, and I've, I've just kiboshed that in the last few years. But I always hired someone to answer the door, take the coats, and make drinks. So I had a couple people. So I didn't, and it wasn't a a huge cost. Right. It was just, you know, a a teenager who wanted some pocket money or whatever did the coats. Yeah. And then a bartender, obviously a real bartender, did the the drinks. I don't want to be mixing. No. I want to be socializing. And and was this a week before? Because I'm thinking about Christmas Day. How are you going to find someone like that? So have the drinking station all set up, right? But I would never do what you did. Oh, you wouldn't do the (laughs) drink? (laughs) Never. I think I might even just spend it alone this year. You you can still come. Um, how else are you? How else are you automating your life? And like, I'd like to automate. And um... so buying online has become a big thing for me. Like the joy of not leaving your f- sofa, right, in which your fat butt is firmly planted next to your vodka. Here's some. Here's okay. <laughs> and here's... the Real Housewives of Anywhere oh, on I love, TV. I, I, exactly. <laughs> Have you done Walmart online shopping and they come right to your house? Uh, no. You need to do it. So this this has changed my life. I'm not joking because well, with the, and with a big family, especially around the holidays. Going into a grocery store is stressful. Like you're getting carts. People oh, I are hate right. Grocery shopping at the best of times. So online shopping, I go online, put exactly what I want in save a whole bunch of money. My kids aren't adding other stuff into the grocery cart. And you pick your time, your slot online, and then they deliver it right to your house. Now, do you do this for all the holidays? Like you're obviously, I yeah. can imagine your place is like decorated. You love Christmas. It's, yeah, but it, it's not, baby. It, it, I am a winter baby, but it's, it's you know, I have, I, I would love those Pinterest perfect moments. You Because again, we're talking about the social media envy. But then I'm like, that's not my life. So I have trees that are falling down. Like last year, our tree was tilted. We had a piece of rope holding it up. I'm not lying. Well, I can't so. if it's tilted. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, for grocery shopping, I'm pretty consistent. So like on my Wednesdays, I get my groceries 
delivered. And for holidays, I add extra to it, but then I can stay on budget. Right? Tell us before we go your yes. biggest nightmare, worst story ever. You didn't have to necessarily solve the problem, but give us the the worst uh, or something. Oh. Like I used to have a fart app on my phone, and I would wait <laughs> to the holiest moment at the Christmas dinner. No, you wouldn't. And I would hit fart number nine, and it was wet and long and rude. Stop it! I'd wait for the no. holiest <laughs> moment, and my little nephew would just year in year out peel. Just love laughing. it. Laughing. I think for me, the did you, I just did you can't fart believe, at the Taylor uh, no, table Taylor? Taylor, I think everyone <laughs> people people that say they don't that don't have gas, come on now, um, especially around holidays. The turkeys, Turkey, and, right? oh my god, right? I think for me, it's monitoring certain family members. I won't say their names, their alcohol level, because things can get my uncle. Okay, I'll say it. That's all right. He'll, he's okay. He's been married. Uncle six, Tommy, it's you. Uncle Phil, everyone knows my Phil. my uncle Phil. He's been married six times. He says one slow oh, dance. I love him. One slow dance and I'll buy you a house. That's his. Uh, <laughs> that's his mantra. But one one time. Is he single now? He's single now. There Ooh, we go. He's just ready, wondering. single and ready to mingle. But he'd had too much, you know, to drink, and he was staying over. But he just at one point just went turkey and fell <laughs> and fell right into uh, our, his food. And my kids, people didn't know what to expect. My kids thought he died. I'm not <laughs> like because at the time they were young. I'm like he's okay. My husband had to pick him up. We put him up in a bedroom. He woke up the next day. It was fine. I washed his face because there was dry turkey and gravy on him. But how long was he down in the plate for? Did you guys like give him ten minutes? I took or? some pictures first. Yeah, I'm yeah, not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah. It's not on him, Instagram. Posed him. <laughs> like what was that weekend at Bernie's? Right, that back in the back to the back in the day. But yeah, that was. And you can't control that. And I think when you try and control stuff, just let let it happen. Yes. And we all have to bite our tongue sometimes. Sometimes my tongue is bleeding so much when for certain family members, but that's Sometimes okay. Sometimes I bite other people's tongues instead. <laughs> <laughs> but it, just think, it's two hours. Also, give your guests a time limit. Like say, oh, kick them out. Yeah, you need to, you need to kick them out, yep. and that's fair to say. Listen, guys, we got to wrap this up at eight o'clock. I've got a busy day tomorrow, or we've got to, and that's fine. Tell I have you. a wig with curlers in it, and I go upstairs <laughs> and I come back down no, wearing don't. it, and that's everyone's <laughs> cue to leave with the mud mask on. And now you can just like throw your face in a plate and go turkey. Yeah, turkey. <laughs> She's out. Taylor, thanks for coming on the show. I wish you oh. joy this holiday season. Yes, you're invited to come over, and Uncle I Phil will. I might could be your wingman. Well, I need a new house. <laughs> Sean Prusso continues. Special guest Lorraine Sagato of Parachute Club is on the way. I just love her. Glad you're with us. I love you too. You were perfectly formed for the season. You were wonderfully made. Marvelous, amorous, glorious, victorious.
The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Easily, easily, easily one of the penultimate anthems of all times. Uh, that's Rise Up, Parachute Club. And guess who, Don't Sue, is my special guest right now, Lorraine Segato, the voice that you hear there in that penultimate song. Listen to one more time. Keep going. She's right here, right in front of me. And I love her so much. We're dancing. Yeah, I'm giving you some shoulder shimmy. I'm matching. Aren't you glad you're way over there? Last time I danced to this song, you were singing it at a, uh, a sports fundraiser. Oh. Yes, you sang it at the end of the night, and I was the crazy kook that pushed through everyone, <laughs> the six-foot-four man jumping up and down. Oh, da, 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 uh, da, that must have been the gala for a special... Uh, Olympics. Uh, yeah. 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 I love you. I love you, too. I'm so grateful to come back here all the time because... Anytime. You're so... Um, I love what you do. And I'm an enthusiast of you. I just think, did you know you were making, because anyone who listens to that song has to agree, like that's just, it makes me happy, joyous, it's got the message of all time, mm. and uh, did you know you were writing something really special? You know, at the time, no. I mean, we the moment itself was special because we, as a band, were doing our first record, and you know we were we were in the studio for the first time. It was really exciting, and Rise Up was actually the last song that we recorded. Were you guys in a rush? Wasn't there a deadline or yeah, something? Yeah, there and was you guys a deadline. It was pressured? like you know we need, needed one more song, and and of all the songs we were jamming on and everything, this was one of the songs. Um, and so. It just sort of came together at the last moment all quite magically through the also producing touch of Daniel Lanois, mm -hmm. which was uh, quite amazing. He gave us the sound, really. And, um, yeah, it was... I, I mean, we knew when it got to radio and then it was being played all the time, like, that it... Wow, this is really resonating with people. This this is amazing. Was it a first single off the album? It was end? the very first... Isn't that funny? ...song we ever released. Wow. And, and you know, uh, I, had to do, I had to do some um, archival research uh, uh, not so long ago, and, and I have forgotten, but, you know, from the moment that we released it to the end of the year... It basically was in the in the top ten, top five, number one sort of charting list, and went on for a very long time. And the way radio worked back then is, you could take your time, kind of going up the charts and then coming down, and then you release another song as it's you know it goes like that. Not these days, but that because of that, I think that really helped us. And what do you think has created the longevity? For this song. Of the song, yeah. I think the message really resonates with people. I th I think that people, um, even though we have so many different opinions about different specific issues, I think the notion of shared power, of of empowerment, mm. of on some level equality, and the joyousness and celebration that could exist. I mean, in many ways. The song is very I think idealist. You're talking about Pride 365. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an idealist, uh, you know, call to. I mean, it's a protest song too. You know, uh, it's it's got so many different things in it. 
But it's a happy protest song. It's a very it's happy. It's not pro- rocket launcher. No, 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 it's not. And and we always wanted to. I mean, really, the whole uh, the whole the whole idea of the band was to write celebratory, positive music that had issues. Because mm-hmm. um, we wanted to try to find a way to talk about important things, but we also wanted people to dance, and we wanted them to be open to what we were saying. So. And this song, um, you know, this was, I, I don't even know, how do you get a gift? Like, for us, we really look at it as some kind of a gift that came through a crack in mm-hmm. the sky. And, well, you I, know. I, I don't know whether this is relatable to you, but as a, as a writer, sometimes the, the stuff that I like the most that I wrote was last minute, didn't have an inspiration, it was due, and then I woke up with the idea. Is it is that what you're sort of describing? Yeah, it is like that for sure. Because you know what, the actual lyrics of the song, um, our unofficial eighth member Lynn Fernie had sort of thrown a whole bunch of lyrics at me. You know, on one page was uh, "Rise up, rise up," and on another page was "We want loving." We want, and then there was yet another page, and I was in the studio at the last moment, um, trying to carve together this vo- vocal. Uh, we already had the music in mm. place, but I was like, rise up. Okay, so it was this is really, really cobbled together it, like that. It was really wow. quick. And like I edited, added a couple more words to it, sort of just, but it was like, boom, because, you know, time was crashing in around us being in the studio. And and so it was very spontaneous. It came from a, a space where um, you know it's all or nothing, and you just put it on the table and you see what happens. And and it just you know I don't know felt kind of magical the way it came together that way. Does it have um, probably what I'll call the Vogue thing going on for you? Like as much as I imagine, Madonna is tired of singing Vogue all the time. Do you oh. get tired of singing this song? Well, you know, I you can I, be honest. I, yeah, I will just be honest. I, I will be <laughs> honest. There was a moment, um, I think, in the um, in the '90s when I was trying to carve out my um, solo career yes. or my solo artistic personality, uh, where I was kind of like, oh. God, you know, um, it has been at times a burden and but like a beautiful burden and a beautiful grace at the same time. When I realized what it meant to so many mm-hmm. people, then I just dropped that feeling yes. of here of we that. go again. And now ever since that moment, um, you know, I feel all I feel is gratitude. All I feel is gratitude. Um, you know, from time to time, I know that when I do galas, for instance, yes. they want to hear Rise Up. When I do special occasions, they want to hear Rise Up. And for me as a singer who continues to write, uh, sometimes I'm like, but I've got these other songs that are really great. <laughs> I do um, more than this, you know. <laughs> but, you know, and I've heard some criticism too, like, oh, that's all she does. But, you know, what can I, this was given to us and, and, and I'm not going to... You know, Carly Rae Jepsen uh, just performed at a gala in New York, and she did not sing "Call Me Maybe," and the people were furious. Yeah, they because that's out. the. I mean, that's the song. I've listened to her other music, and it's not that song. But Parachute Club, on the other hand, has has a whole book of wonderful music. And how did you go from a hit like that into trying to maybe keep up? Because you must have felt this kind of sophomore kind of got to make another great song or great album to follow this one you know we were so or maybe na- not. We, we were so naive um 
We didn't even know we were going to get a record contract, really. We weren't going for a record contract. It turned out that somebody saw us and, I guess, saw potential and then said, I can get you a record. So that first record, except for Rise Up, which came last, had songs that were already that we were already playing, mm-hmm. um, and we had already defined what the group was about. So that that was easy. That first record, right? The second record was more. Um, we got to explore different themes and that, but that's when the pressure started to come from the record company about needing to break in the states because. The the debut record was so big in Canada that they thought we you know this should go in other places, and that's when the pressure started to come. So then we were more circumspect, of you know. And did it slow you down? Like you get rid of all the creativity, the in the moment ingenuity, the authenticity. That's when you're thinking about it too much, when you're circumspect. Yeah, you kind of lose that. Did that happen to you? Um, I think what happened is. Every producer after Danny Lamois, except for John Oates, but um, were, sucked. <laughs> no, they, they were <laughs> kidding, all. Kidding they were always trying to make us sound in a particular way, and that created um, not just tensions, but kind of um, you know uncertainty. I'd say uh, more within the group because we were very specific. Seven people is a lot of people a lot to of people. a lot of people to, to manage, that. and most people don't know that. Like, I, I, I'm getting the wind up, so we're going to go to a break, okay. and you're going to hold that thought. The reason we're talking about all of this uh, uh, with, with Rise Up, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame announced the induction of six influential songs from the Toronto music scene of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And guess what song we've been talking about it is, is inducted. So we're going to talk more about that with Lorraine Segato. I just love you. I sometimes think I am you. <laughs> I pretend to be you. I don't know that you want to be me. You've got that deep husky voice and all this sort of stuff. The Sean Pierce Show continues. Sirius XM Canada Talks Channel 167. You have a purpose and a you were Welcome back to the Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Prue. Here I am, and that over there is Lorraine Segato in the house, uh, formerly of Parachute Club. Is that the better way to say it? Yeah, I you, guess so, yeah. Do you care? No, I don't No, you care. can't no. At, at this point anymore. No. We're talking about Rise Up. Uh, it has been, it is being inducted as one of six influential songs from the Toronto music scene of the 60s, 70s, and 80s at a special event taking place on November 21st in uh, the Phoenix Concert Theater. You're going to perform that song, obviously. Yeah. No, I, I'm not. Actually. <laughs> I have yes, a surprise for everyone. New and, music. And actually, it's really <laughs> exciting because... Um, uh, Julie Massey, the other vocalist in Parachute Club, is flying in from Kelowna. We've got Steve Webster, who's a bass player and the composer, flying in from, well, he's in from Mexico. We've got, you know, four of the seven original members will be there. So that's I, exciting. I remember when I first saw um, what Parachute Club looked like, and I was like, there's so many of them. <laughs> Why? How did seven people get along at all? Um, you know, I... I as you know, I'm an Italian, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I I always placed a lot of value in working spaces and and everywhere really in trying to create family, a family mm-hmm. vibe, and um, I think that 
you know, you never know what's going to happen with seven people. But I think in, there were enough of us that were like-minded that, you know, the energy was fantastic when we were on stage and we were cooking together. It was real. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I I think musically probably sounded great too, but I mean, the vibe was mm -hmm. just amazing. And so we didn't always get along. I mean, there's these little things that tell, happen. Tell us a terrible story. A terrible story. <laughs> well, of there, a terrible thing on a terrible day. Oh, there were... Well, you know, there was... I recall one band meeting where um, a couple of the members were like, why are we getting paid so little money when we've got these top 10, top five, you know, like these songs and we're performing every week and we're working so much and, and you know, and... And there was a lot of tension in the room, and I had to explain, well, because, you know, seven people means that everything that comes in goes to seven people. Seven and, of us. <laughs> seven of us. Lucky seven. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the music business, in a way, was an anomaly for us because uh, uh, so much of what we believed in was it didn't really jive with the way everything was going. And when I look back on it, to be honest with you, there was a lot of misogyny and a lot of homophobia, but it was all obsequious. Mm. It was all kind of under the table and this and that, and so we were always pushing back against that. Oh, did you realize it after it had happened or in the yeah, moment that after, after it, it happened? happened? Yeah, that's oh my god, because we'd be like dealing with all of these things. For instance, I, I'll be very quick, but I remember this one time where our agent booked us into a strip club, and we when we get to Winnipeg. The um, the there's a protest that we're playing this club, and then we have to turn this moment around into a kind of empowerment thing where we we dedicate the concert to free the oh, strippers. So, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just so crazy. <laughs> um, you know, all these things that we had to kind of push against that nobody else really cared about, but we did. You know, on. Why, well, you 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 were a band with integrity. So when you uh, disbanded, yeah, why and how? Well, you know, I'd say um, one of the things that was happening was several of the members were starting to go off into different directions. Stripping, I, I, <laughs> stripping. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a lot of pressure to be the sole leader of the group, mm -hmm. like in terms of you know really stepping out more, and. Um, I think that the pressure of the business and the person that I felt I would become was not in line with what my. It just doesn't sound. You, my have spirit. Diva, you have diva tendencies. No, I bet. no, I don't. No, I actually don't. I think it's that I was afraid I was gonna right become be a diva. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you disbanded, and then then becoming Lorraine Segato's solo act. Yep. Was a process. Long? Yeah, it was a long process because I actually um, was with a partner. We were raising kids, and I really wanted to, you know, I, after like eight years of relentless touring, I wanted to focus on that. And then I wanted to redefine myself because I knew that I wouldn't just do music in my life. I knew that always. Mm. And so um, I wanted to find projects that I could... Um, insert the the other artistic aspects of myself in and that took a while to carve out and then to be honest with you I was never I was always ambivalent mm. I've always been ambivalent about um being a solo artist and I also 
don't get a lot of energy from that. Mm. I like to collaborate with a lot of other people. And then I don't I wasn't sure I really wanted to go back into the music business in the same way. I mean wow. in in essence I left my career, that career at the peak of my career. And I think I just needed to go on a spiritual journey and on a, you know, deeply emotional journey about figuring out what who I was and what I wanted to do. I think of you as being um, insanely relevant the whole time that I've ever known of you. You're wow. always there. You're always involved in something. You're always spearheading something. If artists are listening to this right now and, and, and if you think relevancy matters, I happen to, um, how did you stay relevant? Or was it the ambivalence about it all that made you just continue to pop up in our lives? Well, I think There's something to say. Well, thank you for saying I was relevant because you never really know. But I think that it was my. Um, You've never needed a comeback, dear. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> uh, I think it was that I've I've just always been interested in in evolving, and and part of evolving means embracing the contradictions of that, mm. right? Which is you're going to do projects that really take off, and projects that take off less. But the fact that you're tapping into creativity and being receptive to that and to the people who might need you at that moment, that makes you relevant anyways. Right. right? Oh, clever. <laughs> right? So uh, and anyways, I, 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 did, I just felt like I wanted to be a lot of different things. Could be because I'm kind of Gemini. So are you a like, Gemini? Shoo, shoo. You are, aren't you? I am. <sighs> is, is that trouble for you? I get along with Gemini's. I would never date one. No. You never know when the evil twin sister's coming oh, back you know. from the dead. I've had to do... I, <laughs> what the hell I've just happened? Do, we were laughing a minute ago, and now I've, I'm tied up I've had to with do a knife a, in my throat. <laughs> I've had to do a lot of grounding exercises. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you asked if you could plug something. Yes. I'd like you to plug it now, okay. please. All right. So, listen, um, we passed our 35th anniversary mark on Rise Up, and we, um, as they wanted us to do another version of it. And I thought, what would be great as a project, like a bit of a disruptive expression? For me to join the band? Yes, project. I will. Yeah. I will. I will. <laughs> you can. <laughs> um, is that we would do an intergenerational version of the song? Nice. You know, update it a little bit. And that the streams and downloads of that would go to four charities that I've chosen, one which is Indigenous, one which is uh, Young Queer Youth, another which is Institute for Change Leaders. And they're all teaching people how and acknowledging and ex helping them to become the new rise generation up, the of, uh, of, of youth leaders. Wow. So that's what we wanted so to do. So where do we go? What do we do? How do we do You it? go to, well, you can download it and stream it. Even if you stream the video, that stuff goes to the organizations. You go to torontofoundation.ca, Rise Up, Share Your Power initiative, and you will find something you can donate to if you want to donate. Or you could just... On your Spotify, your Apple, your whatever, stream, 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 all of that goes there. Relevant. Relevant. You're always <laughs> relevant. Um, and, and Geminis are quite ambivalent. Yes. Yes, they are. Joan Collins was a Gemini. Oh. Is. Uh, your legacy is going to be what? That's, wow, that's a really good question. Heavy one for a Gemini. Oh, look, there's something shiny. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> I don't know what my legacy... Maybe my legacy would be that, that I will have uh, spent a lifetime uh, bridging people together 
and ideas together, you know, and um, collaborating in interesting projects. Finish this sentence. Lorraine Segato was... Um, Lorraine Segato was always open to change. Like a good Gemini. I, I, I thank you for the joy you brought to my life, and it's my honor to know you, and thank you coming, for coming on the show. Thank I'm you. I'm so feel, happy to have seen you. I feel the same. Thank you for your kindness. Nice to see you. The Sean right. Show is over and out for another weekend. Enjoy, and peace and love. Lorraine Segato was here today, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>